Homily 10 of Homilies on Colossians by St. John Chrysostom. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Homily 10, Colossians 3:18 through 4:4. 4, 4. Colossians 3:18-25. Wives, be in subjection to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things for this is well-pleasing in the lord fathers provoke not your children that they be not discouraged servants obey in all things them that are your masters according to the flesh not with eye-service as men-pleasers but in singleness of heart fearing the lord whatsoever ye do work heartily as unto the lord and not unto men knowing that from the lord ye shall receive the recompense of the inheritance ye serve the lord christ for he that doeth wrong shall receive again for the wrong that he hath done and there is no respect of persons with god chapter four one masters render unto your servants that which is just and equal knowing that ye also have a master in heaven why does he not give these commands everywhere and in all the epistles but only here and in that to the ephesians and that to timothy and that to titus because probably there were dissensions in these cities or probably they were correct in other respects so that it was expedient that they should hear about these things rather however what he saith to these he saith to all now in these things also this epistle bears great resemblance to that to the ephesians either because it was not fitting to write about these things to men now at peace who needed to be instructed in high doctrines as yet lacking to them or because that for persons who had been comforted under trials it were superfluous to hear on these subjects so that i conjecture that in this place the church was now well grounded and that these things are said as in finishing verse eighteen wives be in subjection to your husbands as is fitting in the lord that is be subject for god's sake because this adorneth you he saith not them for i mean not that subjection which is due to a master nor yet that alone which is of nature but that for god's sake verse nineteen husbands love your wives and be not bitter against them see how again he is exhorted to reciprocity as in the other case he enjoineth fear and love so also doth he hear for it is possible for one who loves even to be bitter what he saith then is this fight not for nothing is more bitter than this fighting when it takes place on the part of the husband toward the wife for the fightings which happen between beloved persons these are bitter and he shows that it ariseth from great bitterness when saith he any one is at variance with his own member to love therefore is the husband's part to yield pertains to the other side if then each one contributes his own part all stands firm from being loved the wife too becomes loving and from her being submissive the husband becomes yielding and see how in nature also it hath been so ordered that the one should love the other obey 
for when the party governing loves the governed then everything stands fast love from the governed is not so requisite as from the governing towards the governed for from the other obedience is due for that the woman hath beauty and the man desire shows nothing else than that for the sake of love it hath been made so do not therefore because thy wife is subject to thee act the despot nor because thy husband loveth thee be thou puffed up let neither the husband's love elate the wife nor the wife's subjection puff up the husband for this cause hath he subjected her to thee that she may be loved the more for this cause he hath made thee to be loved o wife that thou mayest easily bear the subjection fear not in being a subject for subjection to one that loveth thee hath no hardship fear not in loving for thou hast her yielding in no other way then could a bond have been thou hast then thine authority of necessity proceeding from nature maintain also the bond that proceedeth from love for this alloweth the weaker to be endurable verse twenty children obey your parents in all things for this is well pleasing in the lord again he has put that in the lord at once laying down the laws of obedience and shaming them and casting them down for this saith he is well pleasing to the lord see how he would have us do all not from nature only but prior to this from what is pleasing to god that we may also have reward verse twenty one fathers provoke not your children that they be not discouraged lo again here also is subjection and love and he said not love your children for it had been superfluous seeing that nature itself constraineth to this but what needed correction he corrected that the love should in this case also be the more vehement because that the obedience is greater for it nowhere lays down as an exemplification the relation of husband and wife but what hear the prophet saying like as a father pitieth his children so the lord pitied them that fear him and again christ saith what man is there of you whom if his son ask bread will he give him a stone or if he ask a fish will he give him a serpent fathers provoke not your children that they be not discouraged he hath set down what he knew had the greatest power to seize upon them and whilst commanding them he has spoken more like a friend and nowhere does he mention god for he would overcome parents and bow their tender affections that is make them not more contentious there are occasions when you ought even to give way next he comes to the third kind of authority there is here also a certain love but that no more proceeding from nature as above but from habit and from the authority itself and the works done seeing then that in this case the sphere of love is narrowed whilst that of obedience is amplified he dwelleth upon this wishing to give to these from their obedience what the first have from nature so that what he discourseth with the servants alone is not for their master's sakes but for their own also that they may make themselves the objects of tender affection to their masters 
but he sets not this forth openly for so he would doubtless have made them supine verse twenty two servants he saith obey in all things your masters according to the flesh and see how always he sets down the names wives children servants being at once a just claim upon their obedience but that none might be pained he added to your masters according to the flesh thy better part the soul is free he saith thy service is for a season it therefore do thou subject that thy service be no more of constraint not with eye service as men pleasers make he saith thy service which is by the law to be from the fear of christ for if when thy master seeth thee not thou doest thy duty and what is for his honour it is manifest that thou doest it because of the sleepless eye not with eye service he saith as men pleasers thus implying it is you who will have to sustain the damage for hear the prophet saying god hath scattered the bones of the men pleasers see then how he spares them and brings them to order but in singleness of heart he saith fearing god for that is not singleness but hypocrisy to hold one thing and act another to appear one when the master is present another when he is absent therefore he said not simply in singleness of heart but fearing god for this is to fear god when though none be seeing we do not aught that is evil but if we do we fear not god but men seest thou how he bringeth them to order verse twenty three whatsoever ye do work heartily as unto the lord and not unto men he desires to have them freed not only from hypocrisy but also from slothfulness he hath made them instead of slaves free when they need not the superintendence of their master for the expression heartily means this with good will not with a slavish necessity but with freedom and of choice and what is the reward verse twenty four knowing he saith that from the lord ye shall receive the recompense of your inheritance for ye serve the lord christ for from him also it is evident that ye shall receive the reward and that ye serve the lord is plain from this verse twenty five for he that doeth wrong he saith shall receive again for the wrong that he hath done here he confirmeth his former statements for that his words may not appear to be those of flattery he shall receive he saith the wrong he hath done that is he shall suffer punishment also for there is no respect of persons for what if thou art a servant it is no shame to thee and truly he might have said this to the masters as he did in the epistle to the ephesians but here he seems to me to be alluding to the grecian masters for what if he is a greek and thou a christian not the persons but the actions are examined so that even in this case thou oughtest to serve with good will and heartily chapter four one masters render unto your servants that which is just and equal what is just what is equal 
to place them in plenty of everything and not allow them to stand in need of others but to recompense them for their labours for because i have said that they have their reward from god do not thou therefore deprive them of it and in another place he saith forbearing threatening wishing to make them more gentle for those were perfect men that is with what measure ye meet it shall be measured unto you and the words there is no respect of persons are spoken with a view to these but they are assigned to the others in order that these may receive them for when we have said to one person what is applicable to another we have not corrected him so much as the one who is in fault ye also along with them he saith he has here made the service common for he saith knowing that ye also have a master in heaven verse two continue in prayer watching therein with thanksgiving for since continuing in prayers frequently makes persons listless therefore he saith watching that is sober not wandering for the devil knoweth he knoweth how great a good prayer is therefore he presseth heavily and paul also knoweth how careless many are when they pray wherefore he saith continue in prayer as of somewhat laborious watching therein with thanksgiving for let this he saith be your work to give thanks in your prayers both for the seen and the unseen and for his benefits to the willing and unwilling and for the kingdom and for hell and for tribulation and for refreshment for thus is the custom of the saints to pray and to give thanks for the common benefits of all i know a certain holy man who prayeth thus he used to say nothing before these words but thus we give thee thanks for all thy benefits bestowed upon us the unworthy from the first day until the present for what we know and what we know not for the seen for the unseen for those indeed those in word those with our wills those against our wills for all that have been bestowed upon the unworthy even us for tribulations for refreshments for hell for punishment for the kingdom of heaven we beseech thee to keep our soul holy having a pure conscience an end worthy of thy loving kindness thou that lovest us so as to give thy only begotten for us grant us to become worthy of thy love give us wisdom in thy word and in thy fear only begotten christ inspire the strength that is from thee thou that gavest the only begotten for us and hast sent thy holy spirit for the remission of our sins if in aught we have wilfully or unwillingly transgressed pardon and impute it not remember all that call upon thy name in truth remember all that wish us well or the contrary for we are all men then having added the prayer of the faithful he there ended having made that prayer as a certain crowning part and a binding together for all for many benefits doth god bestow upon us even against our wills many also yea more without our knowledge even for when we pray for one thing and he doeth to us the reverse 
it is plain that he doeth us good even when we know it not verse three withal praying for us also see his lowly mindedness he sets himself after them that god may open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of christ he means an entrance and boldness in speaking wonderful the great athlete said not that i may be freed from my bonds but being in bonds he exhorted others and exhorted them for a great object that he himself might get boldness in speaking both the two are great both the quality of the person and of the thing wonderful how great is the dignity the mystery he saith of christ he shows that nothing was more dearly desired by him than this to speak for which i am also in bonds that i may make it manifest as i ought to speak verse four he means with much boldness of speech and withholding nothing his bonds display not obscure him with much boldness he means tell me art thou in bonds and dost thou exhort others yea my bonds give me the greater boldness but i pray for god's furtherance for i have heard the voice of christ saying when they deliver you up be not anxious how or what ye shall speak and see how he has expressed himself in metaphor that god may open to us a door for the word see how unassuming he is even in his bonds how he expresses himself that is that he would soften their hearts still he said not so but that he would give us boldness out of lowly mindedness he thus spoke and that which he had he asks to receive he shows in this epistle why christ came not in those times in that he calleth the former things shadow but the body saith he is of christ so that it was necessary they should be formed to habits under the shadow at the same time also he exhibits the greatest proof of the love he bears to them in order that ye he saith may hear for that reason i am in bonds again he sets before us those bonds of his which i so greatly love which rouse up my heart and always draw me into longing to see paul bound and in his bonds writing and preaching and baptizing and catechizing in his bonds he was referred to on behalf of the churches everywhere in these bonds he builded up incalculably then was he rather at large for hear him saying so that most of the brethren being confident through my bonds are more abundantly bold to speak the word without fear and again he makes the same avowal of himself saying for when i am weak then am i strong wherefore he said also but the word of god is not bound he was bound with malefactors with prisoners with murderers he the teacher of the world he that had descended into the third heaven that had heard the unspeakable words was bound but then was his course the swifter he that was bound was now loosed he that was unbound was bound for he indeed was doing what he would whilst the other prevented him not nor accomplished his own purpose 
what art thou about o senseless one thinkest thou he is a fleshly runner doth he strive in our race-course his course of life is in heaven him that runneth in heaven things on earth cannot bind nor hold seest thou not this sun enclose his beams with fetters stay him from his course thou canst not then neither canst thou pull yea much less this one than that for this enjoyeth more of providence than that seeing he beareth to us light not such as that is but the true where now are they who are unwilling to suffer aught for christ but why do i say suffer seeing that they are unwilling even to give up their wealth in time past paul also used to bind and cast into prison but since he is become christ's servant he glorieth no more of doing but of suffering and this moreover is marvellous in the preaching when it is thus raised up and increased by the sufferers themselves and not by the persecutors where hath any seen such contest as this he that suffereth ill conquers he that doeth ill is worsted brighter is this man than the other through bonds the preaching entered i am not ashamed yea i glory even he saith in preaching the crucified for consider i pray the whole world left those who were at large and went over to those that are bound turning away from the imprisoners it honoureth those laden with chains hating the crucifiers it worships the crucified not the only marvel is it that the preachers were fishermen that they were ignorant but that there were also other hindrances hindrances too by nature still the increase was all the more abundant not only was their ignorance no hindrance but even itself caused the preaching to be manifested for here luke saying and perceiving that they were unlearned and ignorant men they marvelled not only were bonds no hindrance but even of itself this made them more confident not so bold were the disciples when paul was at large as when he was bound for he saith they are more abundantly bold to speak the word of god without fear where are they that will gainsay the divinity of the preaching was not their ignorance enough to procure them to be condemned would it not then in this case too affright them for ye know that by these two passions the many are possessed vainglory and cowardice suppose their ignorance suffered them not to feel ashamed still the dangers must have put them in fear but saith one they wrought miracles ye do believe then that they wrought miracles but did they not work miracles this is the greater miracle than to work them if men were drawn to them without miracles socrates too amongst the greeks was put in bonds what then did not his disciples straightway flee to megara assuredly why not they admitted his arguments about immortality but see here paul was put in bonds and his disciples waxed the more confident with reason for they saw that the preaching was not hindered for canst thou put the tongue in bonds hereby chiefly it runneth for as except thou have bound the feet of a runner thou hast not prevented him from running 
so except thou have bound the tongue of an evangelist thou hast not hindered him from running and as the former if thou have bound his loins runneth on the rather and is supported so too the latter preacheth the rather and with greater boldness a prisoner is in fear when there is nothing beyond bonds but one that despiseth death how should he be bound they did the same as if they had put in bonds the shadow of paul and had gagged its mouth for it was a fighting with shadows for he was both more tenderly regretted by his friends and more reverenced by his enemies as bearing the prize for courage in his bonds and a crown binds the head but it disgraces it not yea rather it makes it brilliant against their wills they crowned him with his chain for tell me was it possible he could fear iron who braved the adamantine gates of death come we beloved to emulate these bonds as many of you women as deck yourselves with trinkets of gold long ye for the bonds of paul not so glitters the collar round your necks as the grace of these iron bonds gleamed about his soul if any longs for those let him hate these for what communion hath softness with courage tricking out of the body with philosophy those bonds angels reverence these they even make a mock of those bonds are wont to draw up from earth to heaven these bonds draw down to earth from heaven for in truth these are bonds not those those are ornament these are bonds these along with the body afflict the soul also those along with the body adorn as well the soul wouldst thou be convinced that those are ornament tell me which would more have won the notice of the spectators thou or paul and why do i say thou the queen herself who was all bedecked with gold would not have attracted the spectators so much but if it had chanced that both paul in his bonds and the queen had entered the church at the same time all would have removed their eyes from her to him and with good reason for to see a man of a nature greater than human and having naught of man but an angel upon earth is more admirable than to see a woman decked with finery for such indeed one may see both in theatres and in pageants and at baths and many places but whoso seeth a man with bonds upon him and deeming himself to have the greatest of ornaments and not giving way under his bonds doth not behold a spectacle of earth but one worthy of the heavens the soul that is in that way attired looks about who hath seen who not seen is filled with pride is possessed with anxious thoughts is bound with countless other passions but he that hath these bonds on him is without pride his soul exulteth is freed from every anxious care is joyous hath its gaze on heaven is clad with wings if any one were to give me the choice of seeing paul either stooping out of heaven and uttering his voice or out of the prison i would choose the prison for they of heaven visit him when he is in the prison the bonds of paul were the bond of the preaching that chain of his was its foundation long we for those bonds and how some one says may this be if we break up and dash in pieces these 
no good results to us from these bonds but even harm these will show us as prisoners there but the bonds of paul will loose those bonds she that is bound with these here with those deathless bonds shall she also be bound there both hands and feet she that has been bound with paul's shall have them in that day as it were an ornament about her free both thyself from thy bonds and the poor man from his hunger why rivetest thou fast the chains of thy sins some one saith how when thou wearest gold whilst another is perishing when thou to get thee vainglory takest so much gold whilst another has not even what to eat hast thou not wedged fast thy sins put christ about thee and not gold where mammon is there christ is not where christ is there mammon is not wouldst not thou put on the king of all himself if one had offered thee the purple and the diadem wouldst thou not have taken them before all the gold in the world i give thee not the regal ornaments but i offer thee to put on the king himself and how can one put christ on doth any say hear what paul saith as many of you as were baptized into christ did put on christ hear the apostolical precept make not provision for the flesh to fulfil the lust thereof thus doth one put on christ if one provide not for the flesh unto its lusts if thou have put on christ even the demons will fear thee but if gold even men will laugh thee to scorn if thou have put on christ men also will reverence thee wouldst thou appear fair and comely be content with the creator's fashioning why dost thou overlay these bits of gold as if about to put to rights god's creation wouldst thou appear comely clothe thee in alms clothe thee in benevolence clothe thee in modesty humbleness these are all more precious than gold these make even the beautiful yet more comely these make even the ill-formed to be well-formed for when any one looks upon a countenance with good will he gives his judgment from love but an evil woman even though she be beautiful none can call beautiful for the mind being confounded pronounceth not its sentence aright that egyptian woman of old was adorned joseph too was adorned which of them was the more beautiful i say not when she was in the palace and he in the prison he was naked but clothed in the garments of chastity she was clothed but more unseemly than if she had been naked for she had not modesty when thou hast excessively adorned thee o woman then thou art become more unseemly than a naked one for thou hast stripped thee of thy fair adorning eve also was naked but when she had clothed herself then was she more unseemly for when she was naked indeed she was adorned with the glory of god but when she had clothed herself with the garment of sin then was she unseemly and thou when arraying thyself in the garment of studied finery dost then appear more unseemly for that costliness availeth not to make any appear beautiful but that it is possible even for one dressed out to be even more unseemly than if naked tell me now if thou hadst ever put on the dresses of a piper or a flute-player 
would it not have been unseemliness and yet those dresses are of gold but for this very reason it were unseemliness because they are of gold for the costliness suits well with people on the stage tragedians players mimes dancers fighters with wild beast but to a woman that is a believer there are given other robes from god the only begotten son of god himself for he saith as many as were baptized into christ did put on christ tell me if one had given thee kingly apparel and thou hast taken a beggar's dress and put this on above it wouldst thou not besides the unseemliness have also been punished for it thou hast put on the lord of heaven and of the angels and art thou still busied about earth i have spoken thus because love of ornament is of itself a great evil even were no other gendered by it and it were possible to hold it without peril for it inciteth to vainglory and to pride but now many other evils are gendered by finery evil suspicions unseasonable expenses evil speakings occasions of rapacity for why dost thou adorn thyself tell me is it that thou mayest please thy husband then do it at home but here the reverse is the case for if thou wouldest please thine own husband please not others but if thou please others thou wilt not be able to please thine own so that thou shouldest put away all thine ornaments when thou goest to the forum or proceedest to the church besides please not thy husband by those means which harlots use but by those rather which wives that are free employ for wherein tell me doth a wife differ from a harlot in that the one regardeth one thing only namely that by the beauty of her person she may attract to herself him whom she loves whilst the other both ruleth the house and shareth in the children and in all other things hast thou a little daughter look to it lest she inherit the mischief for they are wont to form their manners according to their nurture and to imitate their mother's behaviour be a pattern to thy daughter of modesty deck thyself with that adorning and see that thou despise the other for that is in truth an ornament the other a disfigurement enough has been said now god that made the world and hath given to us the ornament of the soul adorn us and clothe us with his own glory that all shining brightly in good works and living unto his glory we may send up glory to the father and to the son and to the holy spirit now and always etc End of homily ten